I'm Lacey. And I'm Kippen. We're two friends who love to get lost inside a great story. And we're welcoming you to our own little book club. This is One Page More, a podcast. Hi, Lacey. <laughs> hey, Kippen. What's going on? I have, like, my brain is filled of with homeschool stuff. Like, stuff is coming out about schooling and just trying to figure out what the next year of my life is going to look like on so little information. It's not even funny. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. No, it's definitely overwhelming. I only have two-year-olds at the time, so I'm not in, I'm going through it from, um, from an aunt's perspective, which I know is so different from a parent's perspective. So that totally makes sense to be really stressed out. And we're currently still going through, I don't know, would you even say this is like a second wave? Are we still in the first wave? I feel like this is totally first wave. Like it just, it never went down. It's just climbing. Four month first wave for anybody for like a reference point of what we're talking about. (laughs) COVID-19. Yes. Oh, but you know what? I don't feel, I don't feel super stressed about it. I know as soon as I make the decision that I'll be all in and it'll be fine. We're going to make this work, but, and I, I feel super lucky. Like I have a kindergartner. It's going to be fine. I can, yeah, and that's true. You just have one in school. I can teach but her to count this, to a hundred. Stress would be for sure. If you had like the multiple kids, yes. multiple school age children. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I am finding more and more time to read. And this week, we read another Madeline Miller book. Forgive us if you don't like Greek tragedy because we're about to go into it again. Um, we read Song of Achilles or listened to it. We both listened to it this time. Right. And for sure, got to recommend that um, narrator. I can't even remember what his name is now, but he did such a phenomenal job. Uh, I'm trying to think the best way to sum up the Song of Achilles. So it was I was really shocked. It was written from the perspective of Patroclus, who, as we find out, um, is an exiled prince. He grows up um, with Achilles. He becomes Achilles' right-hand man. And eventually, they, the two of them have a um, relationship. And it talks all about them going from young adulthood all the way into manhood as they go and endure um, <coughs> going through the the what am I trying to say what's the war called Trojan War (laughs) Trojan War (laughs) yeah I would actually call Song of Achilles mostly a love story um and like a very epic one it spans like I don't know 13 17 years something like that I think it's even more than at one point I thought that the author and and maybe I heard this wrong because I was kind of a little surprised. I thought not the author. I thought that they said they were together for like 18 years or something. Yeah, they were they were only they both died around like 28, 29. So they're both like young men. So literally like almost their entire lives they were together. Yeah. And this book was very melancholy. There's and we'll get to this part. But like there's even parts where she could have really leaned into some of the comedy but she never does. Like, it's no, like I, okay, I thought so too. Yeah, it was a very somber. Yes, um, definitely very well written. By the way, so we've already read Cersei. This is only her. She only has two books. So we have now read her only two books. This was her She's first a book. Writer. I right. was blown away. I so I'm gonna go out and just say this was a solid four for me. I enjoyed this book so much. I texted Lacey multiple times and was like I am like mesmerized by this book there's like this very gentle melancholy energy through the whole story that really had me very invested of course there are a few times where it like kind of dips or whatever but especially the last half of the book I was enthralled by this I loved it I'm, I've been trying to think about my rating for the past couple of days because there were so many points that I was really into. And also, the, so with Cersei, I, I knew very, very little. This one, I know I know what happened to Achilles. So I yes. also was trying to like prepare myself like, okay, all right, he's he's going to die. It's going to happen. Like, And so I, that and then also, and I'll talk about this as we talk about more, I would probably say I'm more about a three and a half. Mm-hmm. It was a good book. It was very well written. And I think if you're going to write about a Greek tragedy, she knows how to write about it. But I don't know. It made me really sad at a lot of points. It is very sad. 
I will tell you, I mean, I'm a sucker for like somber. That's what I love. And I just like sad boy problems. But I, as a, as just a warning for those looking at this book, there is some sex in this book and it's not super, I would not call it super dirty. As with all like, mm, not explicit is the wrong word, but like descriptive sex scenes, I can usually do without them. Like they don't add a ton to the story to me. Like I just need to know that they're in a relationship. That's pretty much like will tell me what I need to know. And there are a few moments in this book. So if you're squeamish about that kind of stuff, then either skip over those parts, which are, you know, easy to skip over or just be prepared <laughs> to, right. to deal with them. Really there was only maybe one that I thought was like even like explicit at all. The rest of it was very much like, oh, yeah, like pretty PG, PG. I have read worse. Yes. I'll say upon that. Totally. Totally. And so um, anyway, but other than that, I loved it. And so let's get into the plot of this book. Okay. So So much happens. So much happens. Did you know that the book, I I was so confused with who the narrator or who was our uh, main protagonist. Did you Mm -hmm. get right from, from the beginning who it was? As soon as he said he was weak, that his mother was a simpleton, that he starts describing himself and why his father despised him, I knew it was not Achilles, but I did not know who Patroclus was and who he he was. I knew the basic arc of Achilles, but I had never even seen the movie Troy, you know? So, like, I didn't really know anything about um a killing right, story in detail. yeah so and i kind of like cheated a little bit and i was like this can't be achilles and i just looked it up <laughs> really fast and then i was like oh patroclus okay well this that must be his lover or whatever um although we do get a peep at achilles and you pretty much know it's him um, when they're about i think 10 years old or something that or was maybe, maybe eight I had the exact same thought because you know I, I know um, you know the, every, the little fable of Achilles being dipped into what is River Styx or wherever yeah. with you know by his heel and so right so his mama or Patroclus is you know he's a he talks about how he's a prince and his father uh, can't stand him and his mama's a, a just you know has these mental problems and all these different little things and I felt so sad. So right at the beginning, it immediately um, starts talking. Well, I guess before that even happens, Patroclus is just really like his father is just so basically displeased with him as a child. And what was really weird to me was like how it immediately jumped into this scene where, uh, what was it? A boy was trying to take something away from him and he hits him with a rock and he dies. Mm -hmm. And this is described as a nobleman's son. Okay. So I get that. He's an important, you know, important figure. But Patroclus was a prince. So yes. I was astonished, which I probably shouldn't have been because his daddy apparently didn't really care for him, exiles him and sends him away. And all I kept thinking about was like, what? What world is this? Like where you're going to send your, you know, like your lineage. Like this is so important, especially to kings in the olden days. Like, you know, your male, like he's carrying on the family name. But his only, his only legitimate child. He has no siblings and he doesn't even hit the kid with a rock. Like with malice, he pushes him. He's like being bullied. Oh, that's you're right. And he pushes him to get away from him. And then the kid dies. And like this haunts Patroclus for pretty much his entire life. And it really colors who be he becomes. I also thought it was interesting that they make it a point to say that they kept him away from his mother. So it's like even the one person he may have, been connected to and gotten a little love from they take her him away from her and I don't really understand why like maybe and they say like they assume that he's simple like her yeah is what basically I kept getting because right like he basically doesn't want anything to do with them in any you know I guess once he realized so it talks about how the father also didn't realize that his wife had any problems so they, they kept her face hidden and so once they were married then he realized like oh wow like she's not like me you know like she must be a simpleton or whatever else mm-hmm. so it just sounded like he was just like total trash but you, you actually made an awesome distinction which I should have I should have remembered because the whole book and this was now we'll say Patroclus did have a little special place in my heart. Yeah. Although it, although it, it really messed up the storyline for me because of it constantly talked about his personality where he was 
he was really a very sweet and gentle person. You know, so much of the second half of the book, it's all about the wars and the fighting. And even, you know, the first half, he's just such like a kind person. He's, he really doesn't get into, he's not in any way into like the showboat and he's not into like the physicality of war. Yeah. So I guess you're right. That was a, yeah. what he said. Well, and I, I just wonder like, if his mom was even that simple or if she was just different than kind of the bloodthirsty, like, you know, what, like, what if she, maybe she was a little simple, but what if she was just different, you know? And cause it talks about he, how she played the liar and she loved the sea and she would smile and things like that, where I'm like, Hmm, maybe there's kind of a shade there where, she was just so different from I, I'm almost thinking of like a Luna Lovegood character, like uh, I, an oddball. And that would just, that would, to me would, uh, it would be more descriptive of where his personality came from and why he was so different from his dad. That's okay. I, I can see that now at the, <laughs> at the same time, what was, so this was like my next note, which is such a stark contrast to Patroclus's mom. It right away starts mm-hmm. telling the story of Achilles' mom. <laughs> I, I, I did not remember this. So it talked about how um, his Achilles' dad's name was Peleus and how, is his mom, was it Thetis? Thesis? Thetis, yeah. Thetis. How basically like Peleus basically had to kind of like rape her and like, that that kind of like tied them down together to be married kind of thing. Because she's a nymph. Yes, good point. And she's given to him, she's given to, Peleus is apparently a a stand-up guy, but not so stand-up and he's not going to rape a nymph, apparently. So that was exactly two points that I kept thinking, like, one, right, he's talked about how he's this very pious, very, like, beloved um, king and whatnot. Two, because we read Cersei, I kept thinking, like, like she's a god in her own or goddess in her own right so yes you know they did conceive a child but it kept talking about like how they were kind of like how she was kind of tied to him and i just kept thinking like i don't understand that dynamic because with Cersei, whenever that would happen i don't know do you know what i mean like it was just this weird like they cut like the parallel between the two. I kept thinking like, I don't understand. The only thing I can think of is honestly that even though, as we'll see, fetus is no Cersei. She is every inch the um kind of more bloodthirsty God type thing where she wants glory. She wants power. She is not humanly at all. She still has a deep love obsession and want for her son to be successful and powerful and to be in his full measure of who he can be because there's like especially because there's a prophecy around him how he'll be the greatest warrior of his generation and she actually goes to great lengths not only to make sure that he is that but also that he's protected because i can tell that she wants to protect him from what she knows his fate must be um so I think there she's tied in that way, where as soon as she gives birth to him, she goes back to the sea. She goes back to the gods and goddesses, but she visits him very regularly. And so technically she's the queen, but I, I would say she's not super beholden to him because they never have another baby together. It's more like Achilles is the tie. Achilles is the tether. That's true. I guess I just kept thinking like, you know, it, it, um, at the very end of the book, it talks about how she takes another person down and like raises them with uh, like in the sea caves and whatnot. And I kind of kept thinking like, well, I, I guess you're right. Maybe because uh, I was wondering why didn't she just take Achilles and sort of do something similar. But I guess maybe she knew that his fate really relied on being with his father, being raised with uh, men as opposed to gods and goddesses but yeah and when we get to the other boy the other boy's like a outcast but it's like a totally different situation um but anyway so patroclus is he's exiled he has to go to achilles island where his dad is king who takes in a bunch of exiled boys and as we learn later he kind of does this not because he's just a good person but because he's building this army basically kind of like oh well sure i'll take your sons like and i'll raise them and they'll be loyal to me and i'll like be sitting pretty here with all these warrior princes that i have um 
And immediately Achilles is painted as this like prom king figure, <laughs> like rubbing elbows. All the boys are obsessed with him. He eats with them. And he is also very like charismatic, very beloved. He is very different from everyone else because he's so, I mean, he's half divine. So he has all these special characteristics. So it's like this crazy amount of confidence I want to hear why you think Achilles is drawn to Patroclus in the first place, who Patroclus admits to having a lot of jealousy for him at first. He's just like, oh, like, why does he get to be this way? How can he act like this? So, okay, this was one of my, I, I, I really shouldn't say qualms, but this was something that I really kept getting stuck in in this book. So you're right. He is Achilles, you know, I mean, like when we think about Achilles now, it's like, you know, this like very very strong character with like a really small little weakness he is written in a way that he is he's very much like patroclus at first where he's not um i'm trying he's just very down to earth which was which i kept thinking was so strange because you're right he was so beloved but he never had um you know like a big-headed way about him or he never like really seemed to care about what people thought which i, I kept thinking like if you were this doted upon, this beloved, the only child, the most like, you know, held in such high esteem by so many people, I kept thinking like how you just have to have such a humble, a truly humble personality. So I kind of, that was something that I kept thinking about and that, but I guess that is the only way that I can kind of see what's drawn him to Patroclus. Patroclus really wasn't, um, at, like you said, at first, he really wasn't somebody that was just like jumping after Achilles and like really wanting to like be his best friend, like everybody else. Like what was he doing? Like throwing grapes or something or other. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, and Patroclus did feel special. I think at one point that he, he caught one or something or other, but like he wasn't actively seeking him. He wasn't, you know, the one initiating this. It was more of like Achilles initiated that with him. And then kind of, you know, they kind of just fell into this friendship really early on. But that's the only thing I can kind of think of because yeah, it, everybody else, like you said, worshiped him and idolized him, but he just didn't respond. I'll know. say, I'll say this. I know people who are super spoiled, but who are also very good people and, but they're just not normal. You know what I mean? Like they're super kind, but they're super duper spoiled. And I think, think that he's just never had anything to chafe him his whole life so it could make somebody rotten but he happens to be just like a pretty genial person and there's just nothing there like he's just not mean-spirited by nature and that's what saves Achilles at least in the beginning of being this like doted like beloved figure whereas some people are kind of like have like a rotten little spiteful soul you know what I mean like well, that's, that's really what I was expecting from him because of the character of Achilles so that's why I kept really kind of thinking like wow like He's written in such a way that he's very, like, like you said, just a genuine, really good person. Because I kept really waiting for this, like, you know, because even I think maybe at first he's about, I mean, they're like, what, between, between 10 and 12. Mm -hmm. And there's like a really quick little scene where they, um, I think he's they're not fighting but he but it, basically he shows him his skills to Patroclus. And Patroclus as a child realizes like, like, this is you know, an extremely skilled fighter, even though he's still a child. And, you know, and I just kind of kept thinking like, how is he not, you know, kind of like puffed up a little bit and thinking like, you know, of his own strength and the, the special uh, demigod abilities that he's got going on. Yeah. I mean, eventually when they get to the war though, like as soon as he does get a little pushback, like that does come out, like he's not immune to it, but for now, he's at least a little innocent. And I definitely think that because Patroclus doesn't completely fawn over him, it's there's like there's something special about you. And eventually, um, and I mean, just the fact that they're both kind of evenly yoked and being kind of sweet, it makes their relationship, their friendship and their relationship more believable to me. And I'm way more invested in it because of that. It's like they seem very even 
like even when he's just Achilles sworn companion and they're not in a relationship yet, he makes sure that Patroclus is respected, that he's taken care of and that he has an equal place with Achilles, even though you know what I mean? Like he just doesn't trifle with anybody trying to push back against that fact. Right. And uh, so the main person that kept doing this too was his mother. Mm-hmm. I, I kept thinking about this dynamic because first of all, the, the narrator, mother-in-law from hell, <laughs> the mother, when, when the narrator does her voice, it is like this Lord Voldemort, like, totally rod, terrible, you know, rods, terrible, raspy, scary voice. And every time basically that she gets around him, she's, you know, like telling Achilles, like, you don't or you deserve so much more than him. And I think she even starts this as when they're just friends. So and I kind of kept thinking, like, wow, like at this point, you know, there's there's like a, a bond, but it's not like what it eventually grows into where the two of them have been, you know, together for uh I don't know, 15, 18 years, whatever. Right. I don't know. That mama, she killed me. (laughs) Yeah. She was such a turd. (laughs) Like, come on, let him have a little spot of happiness. On on the other side, who I wrote down was a champion of their friendship was, and all these names, I wrote them, I tried my best to write them down phonetically. Charion, Charion, the centaur. Chiron. Wasn't it Chiron? Chiron. I wrote down. Yeah. Anyways, whatever. So, because because his the mother right away. What I'm trying to think there. This is a major problem for anybody that listens to the audiobook that is like me and that needs to see something black and white. There were so many Greek names for places and people, and so there's Peleon and there's Peleus, and I kept thinking like, is does Peleon? Or Peleus live on Peleon, or yeah. Kyrion. And later, later, there's a um a character named Philoctetes, and I kept thinking like, oh, that's definitely the centaur because I'm thinking of Hercules, the cartoon, or yes. Philoctetes, yes. <laughs> little satyr. I'm like, wait, no, no, Chiron. So eventually, Achilles has to leave. Um, and actually his mom wants to basically get him away from Patroclus and he, she's like, you need to go to Kiron in the mountain and he's the, he's trained the best fighters in the world and you need to go there. And so he goes without telling Patroclus and Patroclus is like, screw this. I'm following him. Like, I can't live without him. We gotta be together. And eventually they run into each other, like in the woods, which is a sweet like reunion moment because you're like, oh, Patroclus wanted our Achilles wanted him to come all along. That was and, one of my favorite things because exactly yeah. like you said, like he just, he knew that he was going to come. Like he, there was something, he made like a little comment, like, oh yeah, kind of like saying like, well, they were waiting for him. And I was kind of like, oh, like you're such yes. good friends. And then the narrator does such a good job of differentiating the two of them because mm-hmm. the way he speaks as Achilles is so blunt and like clipped in a way that you're just like, of course, like, of course I'm going to listen to what this person says. And you know that they're being honest because it's just the way that he speaks. That was really good. I, I loved this narrator. Um, what, okay. So here was something I wrote down and I'm not you tell me what you thought. So at this point, um, I think they'd been on the aisle. Was it an island or where, wherever they had been? They're like up in a mountain. Right. And it, you're right. Cause they were in caves. So they were in, they were together for a good point of time and their whole reason why they were there, I thought, was for all this training. He's 13 or 14. And uh, whenever he basically just kind of shows his skill level and the centaur makes a comment that he could teach him nothing. Did you <laughs> did, did I misunderstand this? Because no. I was like, why but are you there? He says, though, it, it's only about the fighting, the being a warrior part it says with the fighting that there's nothing he could teach him like with the spear or the sword or anything like that. No fighting techniques, which is the main reason he was there. So instead he teaches them things like how to gather herbs, how to fish, how to do snares, how to, I guess also I I kept thinking more like towards um, them learning medicine. And I didn't remember them writing about it, but towards the end of the book, Patroclus was using, like you said, herbs and he was kind of like practicing medicine in the way that they could. Well, he must've taught them. They make a, they make a differentiation at some point. um, They're kind of talking about the medicine or they're talking, they're like, 
okay, I can't teach you anything. But he turns to Patroclus and he's like, you may not be like the best of the best, but you could be a confident, good fighter. And at that point, Patroclus kind of makes it known that and he has this vision of killing that boy and it's still haunting him. And he's just like, I never want to take another life again. And he just says straight up like, no, I don't want to learn. And so he's like, well, what about this? And kind of offers to teach him healing. And Patroclus is like, well, yeah, why wouldn't I want to learn that? And so that's when they don't go into it in detail, but they, that little scene is when they set it up. Like that's mainly what they focus on is like survival skills and also they just like get to be boys you know what i mean right um, and, and this was the main point where there's you know in the beginning there's a little bit of a lead up where you can kind of tell that patroclus is interested in achilles but like doesn't pursue anything and this is kind of the point where it really like where they towards the end i think they were there what like three years at the end of it they really like begin a relationship so mm -hmm. this right here was like the whole or like a big, huge part of them being here is just like becoming best friends and then becoming more. Yeah. Like uh, basically Achilles says at some point that, you know, that like my mom can't see us here, meaning like they're way too far from the sea, I guess, because that's like her realm of being able to see everything. And maybe the reason that he hadn't pursued anything before is because he knows that his mom hates patroclus and so they're able to actually like fall in love in a real way when they're up on the mountain but soon after that is when kind of these ambassadors from um the i mean not soon because they're there for like three years i think longer mm -hmm. than they're supposed to be is what they say but nobody's saying anything because i think there's like not that much going on like his dad's still the king and you know what I mean? It's kind of like, okay, whatever Achilles wants to do, like, he knows best. So when he also was t like told, like as a child, he basically had free reign. He got to play the lyre and that was like his, the only lessons he really had. Like, he, you know what I mean? Like he didn't have like to go home to do anything. So yeah. So he's called or he's called home. Basically they find out that Helen has been um, kidnapped mm -hmm. and she is with the Trojans specifically with Paris. And <laughs> Shortly after that, Achilles himself is kidnapped. That was so sad to me when Patroclus woke, like whenever he woke up and he's just gone, you know, yep. he's just disappeared. And as a flashback, as a boy, Patroclus's father actually brings him to the wedding ceremony of Helen, basically the wedding ceremony where they decide who's going to get to marry Helen. And there's all these like greatest Greek heroes of all time there, like Agamemnon and Odysseus and Ajax and all these people. And he's there whenever um, Helen chooses, is it Messenius or whoever? Uh, Menelaus. Men yeah, Menelaus. And then after that, Odysseus has everyone swear a blood oath that's in the room that they will defend Helen's honor to death. Like if anyone is ever like trying to take her away from Menelaus. And so Patroclus as a little boy, as like a six-year-old has to take this oath, which eventually comes back and haunts him because he's like, oh shoot, like what if people remember that like I'm supposed to like do this too? <laughs> anyway, um, Patroclus is totally freaking out that Achilles is somehow missing. They want Achilles to fight, obviously, but Achilles doesn't want to go. He says there'll be other wars. What does Helen have to do with him, basically? I think that's a little bit where the arrogance is showing itself, where he doesn't feel the duty. See, I, and, and see, that's kind of stuff. I felt the opposite because I really, this is very much to me where he was in line with Patroclus, where he kind of, you know, he kind of makes a comment, I think maybe two or three times where he's kind of like, well, they didn't do anything to me. Like, yes. you know, it's not really pertinent to me. And I kind of, you know, and I felt similarly where I'm like, okay, I can understand not wanting to really go and sacrifice, you know, probably your life, all these men that you've grown up with. And like, you know, basically because this happened to somebody else, but you know, on that and is he's, actually a he's 16 or something like right. he's so young um but i think 
any other prince would have felt like a very strong duty. And he also has this kind of carriage about him where he's like, my dad is never going to tell me that I have to do something because he respects me in that way. And they're almost like equals, you know, so like he's able to choose. Whereas somebody like Patroclus would have never been able to choose. They would have just been like, by the way, you're going like, I'm sorry. Threw him on that ship and uh, yeah. sent her out to sea. So Patroclus basically like forces his dad, uh, Achilles' father, to tell him where he is. And he's like, he's on this island. Well, um, I need to know, what did you think about the supplicant's pose, whenever, which is how he got his dad to tell him where he was? I what kept meaning to Google what that even was, and I haven't done it yet. So I'm like, they're like pressing their faces to each other. It's like I think it was, was it putting your hand on their chin and like your your other hand on their knee, or basically mm -hmm. like I just kept thinking about like the close proximity. One, this yes. is a king. One, this is your lover's father, who may or may not know that you're lovers. And I just yeah. kept thinking about like the intimacy of of this like you know this scene. I, I actually thought that was extremely intriguing. <laughs> Yes. I'm like, okay, Patroclus, like you're just showing yourself. It's like just, just a stand-up guy again. Like wrong. he's willing to do anything to figure out where Achilles is because for for better or worse, Achilles is the center of his universe. He's his only family. And he, he really, yeah, he's the only person he really cares about. There's really nobody else in his life. The only person that values him. Well, exactly. And even even like all the other people he kind of grew up with, like it, it never it never draws any sort of a connection to any of these people other than Achilles. It's literally Achilles only, which makes sense why he's so crazy about him, because it's the only person in his life. Right. So flash forward, he finds Achilles hidden. <laughs> um, fetus has taken him to an island that is mainly like almost like a convent of uh daughters from around the kingdom and he she's hidden him as a woman among all these women and actually the only one even the king of that island didn't really know that achilles was a man right it was only it, the daughter only Daedarmia, who was the princess yes. knew that this was a man and she knew because thetis had actually you know, came forward to her told her and married them in secret I kept thinking about this because first this of all, this could have been hilarious. First of all, these are so uh, what were they called? Daydarmia's dancers or something like that. But they're yeah, supposed to be dancing these, women, right? They're supposed to be these extremely exotic and beautiful and talented dancers. And at one point, um, when Patroclus first sees him, he he recognizes him almost right away. But it talks about like you know, like you would see a slip of an ankle or maybe a slip of a a wrist. And I kept thinking, hold on. This is a 16-year-old demigod that is supposed to be the like one of the most insanely chiseled and built and and like godlike people. Right. I just can't think of there's no there is no way. <laughs> they were wearing like a circus tent, like which maybe they were like very veiled down. I don't know. But yeah, I'm like, this is so and this is aligned with um the legend. Like this actually happened in the legend. But it is very interesting. I'm like, okay. And maybe that's why she didn't really. The whole scene where he's kind of unveiled as a man to the king and whatever goes very quickly. And she does not dwell on the oddness of it at all. She just plays it totally straight. You know, not even whenever he was revealed to the king and Odysseus, but a little bit before that, whenever uh, Patroclus found out, I had to go back and re-listen to it because I kept, I, I was thinking like whenever it was trying to reveal that he was underneath this dress, I literally was like, this isn't happening. This cannot be how this happened because you're right. She really bypassed it. She really could have written it up in a way that was like, and he was shocked to kind of turn and see the, you know, the, the long blonde hair of Achilles spilling out or, you know, but she kind of basically just wrote it like where he just, he instantly noticed him and then it kind of, yep. they give each other a hug and they move on. And I was like, oh, okay. I love that scene though. Okay. Yes, it was totally bizarre. So basically, you find out that Thetis made Achilles sleep with Daedonia so that they would conceive a son and that they would be married. And Daedonia is pregnant, which there's like, you know, some love triangle action that's happening there. But the most jaw dropping moment of maybe this entire book, For like sure. the, just the, 
the strangeness because there's this is definitely not in legend like madeline miller chose to do this and i need you to clarify this for me basically daydania starts i mean she loves achilles she's like fascinated by him because he's extremely handsome he's now her husband and her baby daddy and he does not give her the time of day because he just doesn't it's not Patroclus says later it's not that he had ill feelings towards her he had no feelings he just like didn't even notice her and again this is where his arrogance does show itself a little bit he doesn't even consider that she would be hurt by this it's he does uh, this was so interesting to he, me he's, it's achilles world he's living in his own little world i, I guess it's, you're right it's, and and we definitely see this character shift in achilles as far as mm-hmm. how he views himself where um the the older and more mature he gets he goes from this like really humble person to where he really kind of does realize that he's got this strength and whatnot about him and that he does have this kind of like special factor but yeah i felt I, I kind of couldn't stand Daedarmia because of how she was written. She was definitely, you know, I think, was she the one that slaps Patroclus? And, you know, she's, yeah, like this, she's, she's a she's petty, but she's also very hurt. It's right. it's really, really uh, very, there's just like a lot of entangling that happens so, here. And I cannot believe, so also what has just happened is the will and the will right. and Jada entanglement. Oh, definitely thinking so, of will and Jada here. They for sure, so this was this is what you're talking about. The entanglement, AKA the coupling of Patroclus, a, for all intents and purposes, a homosexual man with Daedarmia, the mother of his lover's child. Yes. The, uh, supposedly because I guess, okay. So Daedonia like, calls Patroclus to her chambers mainly to try and intimidate and basically she wants somebody to yell at because she doesn't understand why Achilles doesn't love her or won't love her she says you're plain you're ugly you're not special I'm beautiful and she is he says that over and over again that she's beautiful and she he again because he's a sweet baby boy he feels so sorry for her and I felt like I did feel like he should have spoken up to Achilles in the first place and been like, hey, can you stop being like, you're kind of being a jerk. Like, can it, you take a step back here? And this maybe would have helped a little bit. I think if he had that said that he, to her. I'm sorry. I think it did say that he um, a, a tried or, or he considered doing it. But I think it was just that he loved him so much. And they're still teenagers. Yeah. So it's right. still really hard to, you know, to have that mature kind of outlook where, you know, maybe now as an adult, I can. But maybe whenever I was 16 years old, I would have, you know, not told my man to like, you know, right. give somebody else the time of day. That's true. That's totally true. And then to comfort her she eventually like comes in for a hug and he's like i wanted to comfort her but then he quickly realizes she's trying to sleep with him and then he lets it happen because she he feels like this will somehow make her feel powerful i guess but does he ever tell achilles that that happens no it is never brought up again and later at the end of the book another uh, a girl approaches patroclus and they don't even do anything it's just you know she kind of makes the comment and achilles is so jealous and so i kept thinking about you know these two scenarios where yeah it's never mentioned it was i don't know it was it it was this it was the most far fetched of all of the far fetched stuff that's written about in the Greek totally. tragedy. So it, I was like, huh. Well, it was really bizarre. If if they if she had chosen to say like that he was curious, that would have been good point, good a point. better explanation. But she never says that, and he never says that. It's totally like he feels like he almost owes it to her or something, and he like kind of enjoys it. But, I, but not it, totally not really because uh, or I didn't get that vibe because it very much talked about how he he tried to he was basically acting, which I kind yeah, of kept thinking, like, true. why are you doing this, son? If this is this unenjoyable, I don't understand. <laughs> he's just he is he's a very codependent, people pleasing person. Yes. I think we can say that. And he, he and, had good intentions. It definitely yeah. it was not in any way it whenever we're listening or talking about it, it definitely would be something hurtful to Achilles, but he never did it in a way to hurt. It was only to basically provide a comfort for this girl 
but yeah, yes. I just kept thinking like, but, but you love him. Strange. Mm -hmm. Very so. Anyway, our old friend Odysseus figures out somehow that they're there, and he calls and he figures them out, and he's basically like asking Achilles straight up, like, "Will you come? I'm not going to force you, but you and Patroclus, who, by the way, Patroclus, I remember you're on that list." And he's (laughs) like, "Oh shoot, Um, I think you should both come." And then it comes out that there's this prophecy around Achilles that he didn't know about that if he does not fight in this war like if he does fight in this war he will go down in history he will go down in a blaze of glory but he will never return like he knows that he's gonna die in some way especially after he kills Hector he's told that specifically but that he's given the option if he doesn't go he can live a life a totally normal life he could probably live a life with Patroclus and grow old but his all his strength and his divinity will slowly melt away and no one will ever remember him and he is so horrified by this and I guess it doesn't surprise me because the one person who he seems to respect this entire time is his mother and she's feeding him this stuff like it's the most important thing in the world like for example he listened to his mom and married and slept with that girl twice and he kept he he made the excuse of like it it was my mom like I couldn't say anything like you know how she is, um. Anyway, he makes the choice like I have to do this like I can't it's all I can do this is what I'm made for and then of course Patroclus is so devastated by this but he's like but I had to go with him because he's my everything and not only that he kind of talks about like basically once Achilles dies like there's really no purpose in his life like he feels so tied to him that it's like well if he's gonna die then I need to go ahead you know or like I'll die soon afterwards yeah I I thought it was really oh hold on lost my train of thought I had something to say about Thetis (laughs) I woke up out of that um no, well, with Thetis, uh, oh, oh, I, I guess what I thought was really interesting was one, she goes through a lot of lengths at first to mm-hmm. uh, basically put ugh, uh, to protect Achilles, and then she kind of almost like switches it up where it's kind of like she's interested in his fame, but she it's like she wants to use that to turn him into an actual god. Like, they like yes. I, I kind of got this like vibe that she just kind of at one point was like, okay, well, he's going to be big and famous. Let's let him be big and famous. And maybe he can come to Olympus or maybe he can come to the sea caves with me and have like a life, like a, an eternal um, become Fetus, a being. Fetus has a lot of nerve. Like, she eventually does something where she's like, you know what? Zeus owes me. So eventually, when they're <laughs> in Troy, she like brings a plague down upon them somehow and is able to pull strings among the gods that a normal nymph may not be able to pull. So she's definitely, I think that even though she knew this prophecy, she still felt like there was a way around it. She still felt like if I could just wait out this war, there's going to be another war. And if I could just skip this part, like I can make sure that my boy, like, it's my plan and not the fate's plan. She for sure was trying to go around those dadgum three old witches plan. So (laughs) far. Totally. Um, Yeah. So So, we're only, we're only like halfway through the book. We're going to pass for One of, one of the big points that I couldn't hardly get past is so, um, Agamemnon is one of the two kings, him and Achilles the whole time. So Achilles at this point really, and this is what was, what I really wasn't a big fan of because his personality shifted so much where he Mm -hmm. suddenly became really, really, I don't want to say into himself, but like he knew how much power he had. He knew his strength. He wasn't afraid to wield it. He would uh, make a lot of different comments um throughout so you know this is a 10 year long war so mm-hmm. <laughs> throughout this about how he was one he was needed to win two you were not going to take his honor away like he really be- became more of what i expected him to be from the very beginning uh, as he matured at one point i i was really taken aback um and maybe you felt the same way about right before this is right before they left for actual troy Agamemnon's daughter is brought. And so at this yes. point, he's supposed to be married, or she's supposed to be marrying Achilles. She's said to be this really cute little, like, 13 year old Achilles, but kind of trying to figure out, like, well, I'm actually already married. So, what am I going to do here? But that choice is taken away from him as they cut her throat and offer her as a human sacrifice. 
I wrote this down. This is like, I only have a few more notes and this is a big one. Like the death of her name is Iphigenia. I think it, first of all, it made me wonder if Achilles would be able to handle all the killing, but you can, this is definitely the point in the book where he changes from innocent and talented to kind of like, you see that he's willing now to give up anything to be great like this is the moment where he could have changed his mind and seen these people for who they were and seen this war for what it was he even says over and over again and he's kind of depressed about it that he could have stopped it um and he didn't for some reason and it's just like it's like yeah can a 16 year old that had such a gentle life really understand what war looks like no, but he saw this happen right in front of his face and he still went to Troy. So this was a huge turning point about of who he decides to be. I think that moment and also I think that moment strips him of pretty much any respect he ever had for Agamemnon or wanting to help him. It's like just totally sets it off on the wrong foot where you're like, wow, you're a terrible person. I at least know who I am and I know you need me and I know you can't win this war without me. So I'm on my own. Like me and my dudes are going to do our own thing. This really too kind of set the, it was like the line in the sand to me between Patroclus and Achilles because as boys, they really had pretty similar personalities where, um, so as they go off to war, one of the first spoils of war that they get is uh, another girl named Rhesus. And I was so proud of Patroclus. Patroclus, he really did have an, such yes. a sweet, I keep saying tender, but I'm like, there's no other word. He was, <laughs> yes. And, you know, so he, at this point, he um, asks Achilles to take her as his spoil. And basically, like, they free her. And they, well, I shouldn't say free her. They allow her to be more of a servant. Um, it, it protects her. Because right, exactly. As opposed to her now. being like a sex slave for some of these yes. other men, including even the king himself, Agamemnon, who is supposed to be written about with this like terrible appetite so mm -hmm. I, but yeah i kept you know this that really kind of set the distinction between the two also yes. i need to know what you thought so as the war begins and they're doing these raids and whatnot it talks about achilles and how he's he's going off and he's um a, a right away he's excelling and how he's just really proven himself from the very beginning as this big strong character meanwhile patroclus is just hanging out at the camp I, I <laughs> like what and so bored how does he get a free pass i i kind of couldn't like of course he doesn't want to do you know and it talks about that he doesn't want to do those kind of things but i kind of kept thinking like son why are you there <laughs> the strange. only thing i can think of is like this was the war that launched a thousand ships there are thousands of men there so even though he's a prominent person He's just one of thousands. And I think most people could probably get away with like staying home if they really wanted to. And two, Achilles is like the, I mean, he was the most respective of all people and nobody was going to cross him at all. Especially if it's like as simple as he doesn't fight, like he doesn't really want, I mean, occasionally he goes out with him, but even when he does, he doesn't really fight. He just kind of watches and that I, I don't know that the only very, thing it's like he's just under this like umbrella of Achilles like he's just in the glow of Achilles I guess you're right he was just held to a different standard maybe because of who he was to Achilles and yeah. also I thought this was really interesting because from from what I've always thought about from especially like Greeks and, and obviously um, Madeline Miller clearly knows much more than me. I've always thought like, especially homosexuality is always written about in a way that is pretty um, accepted and it wouldn't really be like a taboo kind of thing. That's what I thought. However, mm -hmm. in the book, they never like a formally or officially kind of come out as like, we are together. It's definitely very much people think that and they would be correct in thinking that, but they never kind of came out and kind of said like, you know, the two of us are together or, and sometimes when people would kind of make comments and things, they would kind of, especially Patroclus would kind of get so embarrassed and kind of almost like shy away from 
Yeah. And poor again, with being such a people pleaser, he doesn't want to do anything that would, you know, take away the shine from Achilles. Like that would be horrifying to him. Whereas Achilles is more like, who cares? Like, I don't care. Like if people know that I'm gay. Um, And it even makes a remark that like, even if you're gay, you get married and then you have your like little bit on the side and nobody cares. Um, So that's, yeah, that's kind of interesting, but they're so young for most of it and then they're at war and he, I, I just think that Achilles is on a totally next level plane that people aren't going to mess with him but maybe if he wasn't Achilles they would do something about it I don't know and plus they're living in this age like of the ancient Greeks where you really did have like your sworn companion BFF who <laughs> is your ride or die right hand man kind of thing you know so like I guess in some way they could have kind of played it off like that too. Like, oh, he's just basically my best friend and he goes where I go or whatever. Um, I will say oh, there's so much that happens during the war. She does a really good I, a job of splitting the book in two halves and also like making you feel the length of the war without it being dull or boring. Um I, I, I really, really appreciate that. She bypassed in big chunks sometimes, mm-hmm. like for like maybe four years at one point. And I was kind of like, thank goodness I don't have to read about like, you know. Right. Every little thing. <laughs> but she also like, she just builds the characters very slowly in a way that's like very organic where they're developing more and more. I love that there was like, she took time to develop a relationship between Briseis and Patroclus and that like he has his little gal pal and I thought that was like very special um and then the love that they had for each other and it just it perfectly set it up to under like I just loved her perspective of why what happened would have happened it makes total sense and I will say after I finished this book I was like hungry for like more so me and Jared watched Troy which is like <gasps> lol it's on my but, to-do list <laughs> yeah like it's not terrible it's actually really well cast but it's like so funny like how, how it's just such a straight guy movie that it's just kind of silly but um the girl I'm that like, plays braces though or however you say her name I feel like she yes. exactly looks like what I wanted her to look like oh for sure There's although they, they like, change her they change her name and in the movie she's like Hector's cousin right. or something and her name is Perseus or something whatever but um it like in the movie when Achilles loses his mind and like kills Hector, which which he knows is going to eventually mean he dies too. It's all for the love of Perseus, but also because Patroclus dies. But they made Patroclus his cousin, right. and like in the actual legend, Achilles loses his mind. He goes completely bonkers when Patroclus dies. And the way that Madeline Miller writes it, it's like, of course, like this is really the only thing that makes sense that it would be like your most beloved human on the planet, the love of your life being killed. So I, well, I also, as soon as I finished it, was was kind of reading throughout. And I think so that that it very much, um, so from what I was understanding is that there are two different accounts. Basically, one says Patroclus was his best friend, but but like you said, even more than a best friend, but mm-hmm. not in a but not not in a relationship. But then the other said that you know that it was. So she kind of like almost merged the two ideas as like they're the closest they could possibly be, plus they're in a relationship. So yeah. I definitely kind of took that kind of. Or, you know, like, I, I definitely was like, okay, I can understand definitely why she wrote it the way that she did. I wanted to make up, bring up a point. Oh, so we didn't even hardly talk, but, but yes, yeah, so whenever Briseis is taken by Agamemnon and, and Patroclus just shows what a great person he is, that he, he, he almost kind of betrays Achilles plan by kind of going in, but at the same time, he does it to be able to save Briseis. I was so I was so proud of Patroclus at this moment because it showed worth more to do that than it was how far he had come like Achilles was everything to him he had said again and again how he had nothing else but him but at the end of the day when he had someone that was like he just did the right thing he was the only one that was able to really do the right thing 
and put himself out there for his absolute other best friend. That was constantly what I kept thinking about. Like you said, just doing the right thing and, and not, and always choosing what, what's more important because yeah, like, of course, Achilles wanted to kill Agamemnon. Okay. Like I understand Agamemnon sucks, but at the same time, is it worth Brees's, you know, being raped and, and having these like traumatic life experiences? Like, no. So yeah, he always kind of picked what was the most important. I, Patroclus was a good character. <sighs> okay. So Patroclus, even as he, at the well, I guess we should say that um, Odysseus talks to Achilles. And this is after they've been at war for nine years. And basically it's like, okay, look, you could have killed Hector, but you hadn't done it. I know you don't want to die, but the rest of us want to go home. You need yes. to do this. <laughs> so, yeah, you know what you signed up for. Right. <laughs> and at this point, all the stuff is still going on with Agamemnon. And this is where... Uh, where Patroclus comes in with this plan. And I had remembered a little bit of this from Troy, but I, I couldn't really remember all of it where he wears his armor and Achilles gives him these very specific instructions. And it's kind of like, okay, if you're going to do this, you can wear my clothes so that I don't have to go so that I'm not basically mm -hmm. like, you know, letting go of going back on his word. Right. But do not engage because as soon as you do, they're going to realize that, yeah, you're talented, but you're not me. This 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 was so I, this whole time I knew that he was gonna die. I knew I'm like okay he's gonna die, but this was really hard to get to for me. I was again I was very proud of him. I almost thought when he goes into battle and he's like being a total like he is owning it. He kills several like key players. He kills a son of Zeus. Like he <laughs> is like slaying the day. I kind of was like, I wonder if some god or goddess was helping him live his best life in that moment because they, you know what I mean? To like know to to move things forward. And she doesn't say that in the book, but I'm like, how else is he like just throwing spear after spear, climbing the wall, like doing all this thing? Or else it's like 10 years of pent up aggression and rage inside this I just man and he's finally like letting it all fly. I don't know. I kind of kept thinking about the this this almost like, you know, he he took on this persona. Like not only did he wear the clothes, yes. but, but it's like as he's as he's riding the chariot, and he suddenly is like you know like people are you know like banging on their uh whatever you call it their shields, and like they're really really like hopping him up because they obviously think it's somebody else. And then all of a sudden, I just kind of felt like this like sheer adrenaline. And he he was skilled. I mean, you know, like you said, it said that he would be skilled. You know, not to the same degree. Uh, and I you know like you said is. For nine years, he's been fighting and whatnot, on and off. So I think he just kind of had a, enough, enough skill level. I did think, like you said, the son of Zeus, who it said was the second, um, basically the second strongest in battle behind Hector. Like whenever yeah. he killed him, I was kind of like, well, no, that's that is saying something. But I kind of just thought like it was just the, almost a little bit of luck and adrenaline that just kind of got him, just pushed him along that point. Oh, yeah. And, and he he dies. And he I was wondering how she's going to do this. Basically, the Greeks, I guess, at that time, believe that until your body is the proper burial and burning and everything is done, and then you're also buried and like a name is put on your headstone that you cannot go to the underworld. And you're kind of just like a ghost, but like just totally floating around. This is this is how she wrote it in the book. She said that he was a half life of an unburied spirit. Okay. Because yeah. I kept, I, I thought the same thing. We had one more hour to go on the audiobook whenever he dies. And I was like, how is she going to do this? Yeah. So, so, right. So he's this spirit that's lingering around. And so he's still uh, witnessing what's going on, but obviously he has no ability to intervene. He's just kind of a, a presence that's sitting there listening in. Yeah. And I, how she made it play out was so believable. Achilles, of course, basically loses his mind. He kills Hector as soon as he can. He begins to fight, but he just like doesn't take care of himself at all. I actually loved that she had at one point Briseis 
tell him off mm-hmm. and be like, you caused this because, oh, and you know what was, let's back up just a second. He goes and talks to his mother, right? And she tells him <gasps> that there's a new prophecy that Hector would not fall until the best of the Greeks is killed. And she's, and they're like, well, who the heck is the best of the Greeks if it's not you? Because she said, it's not you, Achilles. And she says it with like distaste, like she just doesn't know. And when Briseis and he, like Patroclus are talking one time, or maybe it's after she died, you realize that the best of the Greeks was Patroclus the whole time because he had been in the medical tents healing people. He had stood up for the least, you know, uh, little soul. Like it was like an accomplished fighter, but it was not even about that. It was about all these other personality traits and like skills that he had that really set him apart from the rest. He was just, he was human. Totally. Um, so yeah and his mom also i wrote this down this is a direct quote i am glad he is dead <laughs> this is said to her to her son who every night is clinging to his dead lover's body yes who's wrapped him in cloth because he's starting to stink but he can't oh. let go of him i was yeah. like look here lady you need to have a, yeah. like, one ounce of compassion for this man i know and eventually achilles is killed by paris um there i have to ask you this Mm. he was not shot in the heel is this correct did it not say ah he wasn't it was like in the leg or something right i thought it said said the arrow went through his chest or or ribs because i kept thinking like hold on now we we know achilles heel yeah this is how he died like just to kind of throw it back again to Troy I think it's like that's the lore part she definitely like there's two different schools of thought one is that Achilles was a wonderful and like amazing warrior and then the other one is that he was literally um like couldn't be touched like he just had like was impenetrable almost and she definitely just took the first one where he's like a very skilled warrior and she never mentions like the river sticks thing. She never mentions the heel. I don't really know why she does that. Um, because th- she definitely leans into the rest of the mythical stuff. I guess she just didn't like that point because I thought that was really interesting. Whenever when he died, I was I was at least expecting maybe a shot to the heart and then a shot to the mm-hmm. heel, or I was expecting it to be right. incorporated in some way. But yeah, never was. I, I like in the movie how basically he shot like all over the place, including the heel, and he pulls out the arrows except for the one in his leg. So when he dies and they find him, they're like, oh, that must right. have been it. Right. And that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of yeah. what gives the. <laughs> yes. So, um, so after, I, I guess it's right after Achilles dies, his son that he had with uh, Daydarmia, who's what, 12? A 12-year-old He-Man freakazoid who's been living with the nymphs and, like, I don't know, drinking pure blood of baby seals. Literally the worst character. Um, who <laughs> like, was I hate and, you. And this is saying a lot. We talk about worst characters and we talked about a lot of, like, terrible people, people that sacrifice their kids. Mm-hmm. But this whole time, you know, we've kind of built up a love of Patroclus and Achilles and especially how they've spent you know, what, almost two decades together. And like you yes. said, um, Achilles' final wish uh, was that they, you mix their ashes together and basically kind of like allow them to kind of be together. Um, yes. The son, who I despise, said, absolutely not. Who's this little servant? Uh, my daddy was uh, a demigod and we ain't doing this. Yes. So, hated this little man. But he, oh ended up, I'm trying to think, was he... But he was actually the reason why the war ended, I believe. He killed, yeah. oh, this killed me, the description. He killed Priam. I think it's how, the, the, uh, yes. the father of the, the, well, the Paris. Right, yeah. father of Paris. And then Hector's little baby boy. I was like, okay, thanks for the description. Uh, that, was, that was horrible. So, yeah, hated him for lots of reasons. But he did end the war. Um, I'm trying to remember. Something traumatic yeah. happens to him. What happened? well at the very end he like i mean they say that like he steals somebody's bride and then he's killed over it like he doesn't get out in the end but basically he just forbids anybody from putting patroclus's name on achilles tomb and so 
even though Achilles moves on to the um, afterlife, Patroclus is stuck there. And I love that Odysseus tried to stand up for him, but eventually it comes full circle and he besieges Thetis to help him. And they have this kind of conversation about the nature of Achilles and like if she's happy with how the other son that she raised, um, whatever his Achilles' son's name was, turned out. And you can tell that like she misses him so much because she can't. This is where like it humanizes her just a tiny bit where you're like, okay, she really did love her son, but she's just not a human. She's a god and she just doesn't see things the way that humans do. And so it's very otherworldly for her to try and grapple with the fact that she's never going to see Achilles again. I really, I will say, I really did love the final couple of moments um, Mm -hmm. whenever they were bonding over, you know, sharing little, or he would share little stories. And, and, you know, this whole time in the book, it's written how he's really scared of her. Yes. She just has like this really overpowering personality too. She's a goddess and, and just like how she's so standoffish. So I really so hateful. Right. And so I really did like how they kind of had this moment of the two of them kind of like, you know, at the end of his life, obviously he's, he's dead, but making peace and kind of allowing she, it's like, well, at the very end, she, I'm trying to think, is that where she writes his name on there and sends mixed yes. ashes? So she really kind of accepts Patroclus at the end for, even though, you know, maybe he was not her pick for her son. Mm-hmm. She realized that her son did pick him and did truly love him and, and allowed them to kind of like, you know, finish up, I guess the rest of their time in the underworld together yeah so overall really enjoyed this book it was a sad one you should still you should listen to it it was great the narrator really i will say you're right he did a phenomenal job of of just reading the whole book i mean i guess i should maybe i should say that madeline miller did a great job of writing the book <laughs> <That's> <laughs> she did. thanks I madeline did. you did a great job and she won an award for this she you know what's it. interesting though i after i read a book i like to like read a few reviews there was a scathing review of this book in the new york times like they really? ripped it to shreds they thought it was terrible there's plenty of good reviews like there's a great one in the washington post but it shocked the heck out of me that they just like ripped on this book and i'm like whoa very interesting i was on her website and i'm trying to remember i thought it was a song of achilles she got tons of awards for Mm -hmm. uh, it was either that one or Cersei. but she had i mean she had a lot for several but one of them had a lot more i think it was a song of achilles yeah what really got me is it said it took her 10 years to write this book because it's because she wrote the book for five years and it talked to how she um she taught latin and greek i don't i don't i don't mean exactly the languages i don't think i think it was maybe like she studied the classics so she like studied homer and things like that but she spent five years writing the book and it said she had a um i I guess it would be like a an unpaid unpublished manuscript and she just didn't like how it was and so she threw it away so she started think of a decade of your life writing this book but obviously she did a great job and and like you said i read a lot of um, people who were singing its praises as well so she's a skilled one all right well from one page more this is skipping and this is lacy bye